watching online. Welcome to everyone. I do want to make sure that we all know what's going to happen today because today is Communion Sunday and it's All Saints Sunday. And so I want to give everybody here and online a little bit of information. So if you are watching from home, I want to make sure that you get something to celebrate communion, whether it be uh, some bread or a cracker, some juice or some water or some wine. If you want to have something prepared, now is a great time to do that. And then for everybody who is here, as you leave the sanctuary, you will get a portable communion to take with you. So that way you can take it at home so that we're not all taking off our masks and taking communion. So that way you will take it home with you and you can celebrate communion while we will bless it in sac- bless the sacrament here in this place. Then you can take it with you and celebrate at home. It's also All Saints Sunday. And so today we are going to remember all of the lives that were lost from this congregation or, or those who are connected to this congregation within the last year. Now, of course, there are some that are connected to this congregation, too, that, that we might not be naming if they're not people who, are, who we officiated the service for. And so if that's the case, if you're at home and you have a loved one who you want to remember today, it's a great idea to go and grab a candle and to light that candle during this time. And if you're here and there's other people that you would like to remember today, when you go home, go home and grab a candle and light that candle in memory and in honor of your loved ones. Today is a day when we take time to remember the lives that have been lost, the lives that that are now, they're not lost, though they're in the kingdom of God, and we celebrate those lives today. And so now let us join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, as we turn our hearts and our minds towards you this morning, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Pour your Spirit upon us, As we worship you, help us to focus on you so that, Lord, our lives can be a blessing to you this day and every day. Through Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.
let us again join our hearts in prayer as we light our peace candle. Good and gracious God, we pray for your peace on this day. We pray for your peace that surpasses all human understanding. We pray for a peace that puts an end to cancer and violence and war. We pray, Lord, for your peace on this day. May your peace prevail on earth. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Okay, kids, so I have a story for us today, and the story is about somebody named Joshua in the Old Testament. Now, Joshua was a leader of the Israelite people, and when the Israelite people were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, can you believe it? 40 years, Joshua led the Israelite people into what they called the promised land. And so this is how it happened. First, Joshua was standing there one day, and then suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and the angel of the Lord said, Joshua, take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. Wait, that's how Julie familiar Yes, it does sound familiar, because the same thing happened to Moses. Once upon a time, Moses, who was the previous leader of the Israelite people, Moses was standing there and then suddenly saw a burning bush, and a voice of God came out of the burning bush and told Moses to take off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. Well, that's exactly what the voice of God said to Joshua. The voice said, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Now, the reason that God wanted to speak to Joshua was because God wanted to make sure that God had Joshua's attention because God needed to lead the Israelite people into the promised land and God needed Joshua to do that. And so here's what Joshua needed to do. In order to take the people into the promised land, Joshua needed to cross a river with all of the people. But the problem was that, that the water in the river was really high and it wasn't going to be easy to get everybody across, especially since the water was at the highest time of the season and there were a lot of people. And so Joshua didn't know what he was going to do. But then something miraculous happened. Since Joshua was following God's advice, Joshua was able to part the waters and to make a spot where the waters parted and the people got to go walk across the river on dry ground. It was miraculous. Mom, I think you're confused with Moses. Yes, so this does sound familiar, but really I'm not confused. I'm not talking about Moses, even though Moses did the same thing. When Moses was taking the Israelite people out of Egypt, he too was able to part the river and to bring the people across on dry ground. Well, that's the same exact thing that Joshua did. But here's the thing, Joshua and Moses were both regular people, just regular people asked to lead the people of God. And in order to lead the people of God, they needed to pay attention to what God wanted them to do. And do you know that God can still lead us and guide us every day of our lives? 
All that we need to do is spend a lot of time in prayer because that's what Moses and Joshua did. And if we spend a lot of time in prayer, then God will guide us and lead us and help us stay on the right path in our life. So maybe we can learn from Joshua. Maybe we can learn from Moses. Maybe we can learn to stay focused on God and God will keep us in the right direction. Have a blessed day. I'll see you next week. Good morning and happy belated Halloween. We have two, two announcements this morning. Women's Fellowship hosted the community dinner for Halloween. They had goulash and salad. We served 112 people, not bad for a busy Halloween night. Thank you to all who helped in the kitchen and running the food out. Also, Women's Fellowship will be collecting money, donations, and Amazon gift cards for Cornerstone. Thank you. As we gather today for worship, I noticed a post on Facebook the other day, and you know, given our current situation here, I felt it relevant that I could share with you, if you will. The story goes like this. One Sunday morning at a small southern church, a pastor called upon one of his deacons to open their service in prayer. The deacon stood up, bowed his head, and said, Lord, I hate buttermilk. And the pastor opened her eye for a moment and was curious as to what was going to come next. The deacon continued and said, Lord, I really don't like lard either. Now the pastor was really perplexed. The deacon continued, and Lord, I ain't too crazy about plain flour. But after you mix them all together and bake them in a hot oven, I just love biscuits. So Lord, help us to realize when life gets hard, when things come up that we don't like, whenever we don't understand what you are doing, that we need to wait. Wait and see what you are making. After you get through mixing and baking, it'll probably be something even better than biscuits. Amen. Now for a litany. After I say to you, O God, you will respond with, we give you praise. God, we remember those saints who have gone before us. We lament their passing and honor their legacy. We give thanks for all we have learned from them. To you, O God. Those who followed the way of Christ faithfully, we follow their example. Those who made mistakes along the way, we learn from their experience. To you, O God. Those who made progress for peace, we continue their work. Those who lived simply and quietly, we are enlightened by them. To you, O God. Those who gained honor and distinction without pride, we are humbled by them. Those who were madrayed for their faith, we commend them to your care. To you, O God. They have finished their work on earth, and it lives on. 
reverberating into our lives now as the work of Christ lives on. To you, O God. May the peace of Christ continue to inspire us to good works, humility, simplicity, and peacemaking, as those for mothers and forefathers were inspired by him to live in grace and love. To you, O God. Amen. And now is the time when we, relight, we will light our candles to remember all of those who have gone from this life to the next. And I know, to quote one of my friends who's also a pastor, that the only thing that keeps us from being saints is the fact that we are still alive. So let us remember that, that now we are honoring and celebrating the saints that have left this community and this life that we know and entered into the kingdom of God. So let us remember them on this day. We light a candle for Janet Smith. Joan Mahalski. Barbara Glaspie. Stephen Pies, George Lynch, Eugene Gers. Margaret Raymond, Kathleen Maxwell, Teresa Vogel, Colin Breen, Jean King, Edward Laufer. We also take this moment to light a candle in memory of all the lives that were lost to the coronavirus. We light this candle in memory of all of them.
Let us join in prayer. Living God, in whom there is no shadow or change, we thank you for the gift of eternal life and for all those who, having served you well, now rest from their labors. We thank you for all the saints remembered and forgotten, for those dear souls most precious to us. Today we give thanks for those who, during the last 12 months, have died and entered into glory. We bless you for their life and their love and rejoice for them that all is well and all manner of things will be well. Let us clearly recognize what it means to be called the children of God and to know we are to be your saints, neither by our own inclination nor by our own strength, but simply by the call and the healing holiness of Christ Jesus, our Savior. And together we say... Amen.
May all of these lives be a blessing to us today. i 
two readings this morning. Our first comes from the prophet Micah from the third chapter. We will read the first 12 verses. If you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. Starting with verse one. And I said, listen, you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, should you not know justice, you who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin off my people and the flesh off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people, flay their skin off them, break their bones in pieces, and chop them up like meat in a kettle, like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have acted wickedly. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against those who put nothing in their mouths. Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without revelation. The sun shall go down upon the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, and the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you rulers of the house of Jacob and chiefs of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and pervert all equity, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with wrong. Its rulers give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets give oracles for money. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, Surely the Lord is with us. No harm shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you... Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooden height. I promise I will help you to understand these words. And now our second reading, friends, comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And we are going to read from the 23rd chapter, the first 12 verses. Again, these are not super cushy feel-good words. I will warn you, the lectionary is a bit heavy today, but as I promise, I will help to lift these up and to help us to understand. Starting with verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. 
Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seat in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students." And no one shall call you father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. And all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you for gathering us here. Lord, we know that your words are trying to humble us today, so we ask that you give us hearts that can be humbled. Bless us, Lord, on this day. Bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So the lectionary is a little bit spicy today, if you can't tell. You might be like, oh my goodness, Pastor, are you trying to bring us down with these readings? But the reality is that all of the readings are a little bit spicy today. I'm using that word because I don't really know how to explain it best. But they all have a strong message. So here's how the lectionary works. Just in case some of you don't quite understand, the lectionary allows us to read the entire Bible within a three-year span. If you were to read from the lectionary every day, and then on Sunday, it gives us like a good chunk of the Bible within a three-year span. And the lectionary is something that's used by, by Catholics, so they have a, a little, some extra text, and by many Protestants. And it's accessible to all. But the lectionary is definitely on a mission to humble us today. And you know what? I think it's okay. I think we can take a Sunday to be a little humble, don't you think? And I, I, today, actually, I think that the lectionary helped me to understand what Jesus means even more when he tells us that we need to be humbled. I think that for the first time in a while, I, I often wrestle, like, what do you mean? What do you, how do you want us to be humbled? I, I'm always thinking as I'm reading the text when Jesus tells us that the humble will be exalted, I'm always thinking, well, Jesus, give us a little bit more information. I need a little bit more guidance here. How can we be more humbled? But then when we mix it together with Micah, Micah, which in, in the middle of this prophetic book of Micah is heavy, and he's speaking harsh words, but, but as we put this all together, I think it helps us to get a better understanding of how God wants us to be humbled. So we're going to figure that out together today, okay, friends? If you're in Bible study, you've already got a heads up. But here's some information about the prophet Micah. So the prophet Micah spoke the word of God to the people of Israel back in the 700s BCE, so about 2,700 years ago. And Micah and God together had had it with all of the, the powers that be, all of the leaders and all of the prophets who spoke on their behalf. And the reason that God, through the prophet Micah, had had it with all of the powers that be was because God wanted the hungry fed. And yet the powerful were those who, who sat with their nice big bellies all nice and full while they didn't care about the others. And God wanted peace among the nations. God wanted peace. And yet the, the powers that be would send other people to fight wars. God wanted justice and equity, but the powers that be were too self-absorbed to let that happen. Micah wrote this 2,700 years ago, and yet still we have starvation. Still we have war. Still we have lacks of justice, even though he wrote this 2,700 years ago. And here's the thing, it's not just the Old Testament reading here that we have that's a little bit feisty and spicy here. Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew gets a little bit spicy here as well. Now, if you were with us in Bible study, we kept reading. We didn't stop at verse 12, because how boring is that just to stop at verse 12? You know me, we had to keep on reading. And so we continued to read. So what happens with Jesus 
Jesus in this 23rd chapter of the Gospel of Matthew is that Jesus has entered into Jerusalem at the end of his life and at the end of his ministry, and he's come face to face with those pesky Pharisees once again, and this time he's letting them have it. He's letting them have it even more than he has before in the past. And Jesus tells those pesky Pharisees that they sit on the seat of Moses, but they say one thing and they do another because they do not practice what they teach. They make life difficult for others, but they don't do an ounce of hard work themselves. They dress up like they're all righteous and holy, and they've got everything that makes them look like they should be in a position of authority and power. But if you keep reading, you're going to hear, this is my favorite. Jesus goes through a whole bunch of things that he calls them, and he says, this is my favorite. They're like whitewashed tombs, pretty on the outside, but rotten on the inside. Whew. I told you, Jesus was getting a little bit spicy in our lectionary. I really wish I could see your faces, by the way. (laughs) I would like to see the expressions that you're making as we say these things. But here's the thing about the Pharisees. They talked a big talk, but they didn't walk the walk. They said one thing. They would tell everybody the laws of Moses, and yet all that they cared about was themselves. And as it turns out, if we read the Bible and we put all of these biblical stories together, God doesn't really seem to approve of people who have power and use it to make life easier on themselves and harder on other people. God doesn't seem to be a big fan of that. I was actually thinking about this, and it's been a long time since I've seen the movies. I think there's like two of them. But have you guys ever seen the Hunger Games movies? Or read the books? I know there's books too. I've only seen the movies. I've got a couple nod heads there, heads nodding there. But uh, the way I remember it, it's been a few years, but there's somehow this like, everybody's split into like different communities in the Hunger Games. And there's the one group that's in power and they have like everything that they need. And they make all of the other communities battle where they send somebody to go battle to the point of death. And so you've got all these other communities that are in need. They're in need of food. They're in need of everything. They're all struggling to get by. And yet these communities are forced to send somebody from their own community to battle against somebody else to the point of death. And it started to make me think about the fact that so often communities, different communities or different ideologies or different anything, get split up, not quite like the Hunger Games, that's a bit to the extreme, but in that same way, we get split up and we're forced to hate each other even though there's no reason for us to hate each other. We're forced to hate each other and we're forced to battle each other even though we should not be doing anything like that, even though we should all be working together. So of course the Hunger Games is like the extreme of this. But the reality is that all throughout all time, going all the way back to Micah and even farther, throughout all time, there are always people who are split up into groups and forced to hate each other, all to please some kind of powers that be. And yet, whenever we do that, friends, God is not glorified. Whenever we humans are split up into different groups and forced to hate each other, God is not glorified. Let's take a moment to think about Israel and Palestine, because that's where most of our Bible, or all of our Bible, is actually based. So our Bible is based in Israel and Palestine. So think back, uh, back when I was a senior in college, I did my senior thesis on Israel and Palestine and the conflicts that were there. And I remember reading some stories and even watching some videos 
And there were these times when kids, uh, Israeli children and Palestinian children, would get together, whether it was some kind of camp or, or some kind of neighborhood, or somehow they would get together and they would play soccer together, or, or football, whatever it is to them. They would play soccer together, and they would play together, and they would become friends. And they would have this friendship, Israeli children and Palestinian children, but then something would happen and their communities would get split, where, where suddenly you need to be either on the Israeli side or the Palestinian side, or they grew up and they they hit a certain age and they had to join the, the army as was required of them, and something happened, and you had these two children who had once been friends grow up, and now they're forced to hate each other. Now they are forced by the powers that be that can't get along. Now they are forced to split apart and to hate each other. So what I want us to understand before we understand what it means to be humbled, what I want us to understand today is that when groups of people are forced to hate each other, God is not glorified. Are you guys all with me here? Anybody want to argue a different point with me? (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny if somebody actually wanted to come up here and do that? I really do love a good debate, so that could be fun. But look, I mean, even look, I mean, we've got, you know, anybody know what's happening on Tuesday? Anything big? No? Maybe? Look at this, friends. I mean, I think our church gets a pretty good idea of like, hey, we got to get along no matter where we stand on politics and stuff like that. We got to see each other and we got to love each other no matter what. But do you know how many stories I've heard of people who, if you stand on a different side, you can't be part of that family anymore. If you stand on a different side, if you're on a different side of the aisle, you can't come to, to dinners anymore if those are happening due to COVID times, you know? But, but no matter what, I've seen so many people that are broken apart. I, I've heard people say that, well, well, if you do that or if my person loses, then I'm coming after you. And I'm like, are you serious? What is going on in this world? Because whenever two groups of people are pulled apart and start to hate each other, God is not glorified because hatred hatred comes from a place of evil can we all agree on that hatred comes from a place of evil but when we get together when we learn how to work together that comes from all that is good and that comes from god i was thinking about a whole bunch of examples and i'm gonna have to try to wrap this up i've got a lot to say on this topic (laughs) i was thinking back when i was in high school so when I was in high school, my town, well, it's really four towns put together, we, I was on the field hockey team, and we had this huge rival that was right on the other side of the tracks. So it was the next town over, the town of Greenfield. We had this huge field hockey rival. And to tell you how huge this was, this was the sport of field hockey. How many of you guys have ever gone to a field hockey game before? Exactly, not many of you. So it wasn't, it's not like everybody gets up and goes to field hockey games. When we would play our annual night game against Greenfield, it would be a night game under the lights, which was a big deal, didn't happen that often back then. And the stadium, the the seats would be so full, they would be as full as a football game, okay? That's how, how big this rivalry was. We had this huge rivalry between these two towns, and it got so bad. I remember my senior year, my, my friend Alex, she got a stick to the chin and ended up needing some stitches, so she had to leave the game all bloody and wounded. And at the end of the game, after it was over, some of the fans from both sides, of course, got at it, and they started to fight one another. Uh, by the way, I don't even remember who won that game, but, you know, it was such a big deal. And so as we were growing up, even though our coach never wanted us to do this, she was such a good Christian woman— 
Yet as we were growing up and, and, and going through high school, we were basically taught to hate that other town. We were taught to hate them, even if we didn't, even if we weren't explicitly taught that. But then here's the thing is that as we grew up, since both of our teams were really good, a lot of us ended up going and playing in college or, or in different kind of leagues and things. And you know who we'd often get paired up with because we're from the same area? Our rival town. I remember when I went up for a college, you know, weekend, and they're like, oh, well, we put you together with somebody from Greenfield because you guys are from neighboring towns. And it was hilarious. But as I grew, I realized that that hatred was unnecessary. That hatred did not come from God. There is never an actual reason to hate another person, no matter where they're from, no matter what the reason, because hatred does not come from God. When we hate another group, another person, God is not glorified. If somebody grows up on the other side of the tracks, we might be taught to hate. But the reality is they're no different from us. If somebody grows up from a, in a different religious tradition, we might be taught to hate them. But they're no different from us. If somebody grows up in, in a different socioeconomic community or with a different ethnicity, we might be taught to hate them. But the reality is that they are no better or worse than we are. The reality is, when we humble ourselves, we are able to see our connections. If I'm on Team Patriots, <laughs> and Ted is on Team Bills, and we're rooting for our teams, if I decide that I need to hate Ted, we're not even going to be able to be friends. But if I see that together we are both brothers and sisters in Christ, if I see instead that, you know what, football is just a sport, sorry everybody, football is just a sport, but what, what matters is that we see our connection, then we can have a friendship. How much better would this world be if we were able to do things like that? So as we think about the fact, I want to make sure everybody knows my point here. When we hate other people or other groups of people, who is not glorified? God. And I want to make sure everybody heard that correctly. God is not glorified when we hate other people. But here's what happens. When we, when we humble ourselves and when we start to see connections, when we say, hey, you know, Ted likes the Bills and, and I like the Patriots, but hey, we both like football, suddenly there's some connections. When we start to see connections and start to listen to each other instead of talking over each other, because people love to talk over each other, don't they? But when we start to listen to each other, we'll find out more connections. Maybe we'll find out even more about each other, and maybe a friendship can brew. Because when we work to humble ourselves, then we find connections that are meaningful, and then hatred has no way to grow in that relationship. And also, when we look at somebody who's a little bit different from us, and we let them speak, if we lower our voice and give them a voice, then that person's voice is raised, and together we can grow. So as we, we think about the problems that exist in the world, the greatest problems exist when, when people are broken into groups and told to hate one another. That is how wars are created. That's how, how fighting happens. That's how all of this is brewed. And hate does not come from God. No form of hatred, my friends, comes from God. Love. 
comes from God. Just imagine what this world would look like if instead of being told that we need to split into groups and hate one another, we humbled ourselves. Said, hey, you know what, Doug, you think differently than I do? How about I find out why you think that way and you find out why I think my way? And we get to know one another. Imagine if we were able to say, hey, you know what? I, I think that this issue is really important, but Laura, you think that issue is really important? Maybe they're both important. Imagine if we actually stopped dividing ourselves because powers that be, which, which powers that be want to create, create divisions. Imagine if we didn't let those divisions happen. But we humbled ourselves. Imagine what a world this would be. Because when we humble ourselves, God is exalted. When we humble ourselves, God is exalted. And a difference in this world, change in this world, can finally happen. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we want to glorify you, Lord. We want to glorify you and not ourselves. Humble us, Lord. When we feel the need to speak over people, humble us, Lord. When we speak more than we listen, humble us, Lord. When we find hatred brewing in our hearts, humble us, Lord. When we think that we are better or worse than another because of a difference, humble us, Lord. Lord, we know that when all humanity is humbled, then you will truly be glorified. So humble us, Lord, so we can glorify you on this day. We pray this and every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And together we say, Amen. Now it is, now it is time for our offerings. You may donate online or in the back of the church there is a basket. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. We gather here in Jesus' name, his love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the loving Son, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. No one is a stranger here. Every 
joins us here. He breaks the bread. The Lord who pours the cup is risen from the dead. The one we love the most is now our gracious host. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. We are now a family of which the Lord is head. Though unseen he meets us here in the breaking of the bread. We'll gather soon where angels sing. We'll see the glory of our Lord and coming King. Now we anticipate the feast for which we wait. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. Come, you who are weary and restless, Come all who hunger and thirst. Creating God, source of all our being and all the earth, we thank you and we praise you for the gift of life. We thank you for calling us to obedience and for sending us Jesus to show us how to live. Jesus, our Savior, we praise you for the glory of redemption. It was you who suffered the world's pain so that we may live. We celebrate the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, who carries us through life with the love and the strength of the Lord, and we join in your unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We gratefully recall and remember... Christ's birth as one of us, Christ's baptism for our sin, Christ's compassion for our suffering, Christ's intimacy with our frailty, Christ bearing the cross with its death, and Christ rising from the tomb by the power of God. It was Jesus who took the bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance. Of me. In the same way, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so we affirm the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Consecrate, therefore, by your Holy Spirit these gifts of bread and wine. Bless us that as we receive them, we may offer you our faith and our praise. We may be united with Christ and with one another, and we may be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to continue faithfully as disciples in your world. And let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Through the broken bread, we participate in the body of Christ. Through the cup of blessing, we participate in the newness of life. Let us pray together. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Strengthen us in faith. Increase our love for one another. And let us show the world your greatness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in unity with the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.
And let us go forth with the blessing of God. Let us go forth in the love of Christ. Let us go forth and love, not hate, but be humbled in love. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all. And if you are here in this church and, and a candle was lit for one of your loved ones, please feel free to come forward and to take a candle as you leave this place.